This is the Ladies Edition podcast by Real Women, where we discuss the adversity and absolute foolishness that comes with women's reproductive issues. It is the mission of the Ladies Edition podcast to inspire, educate, and shine a light on and in RV Valley while empowering women everywhere. Welcome everyone to the Ladies Edition podcast. I am one of two of your hosts. This is Shelly Cheyenne. I am a certified life coach with my coaching business and it's Coaching by Shelly. You can find me on all of the social media outlets and my co-host. I am Shamika. I am the host of Check the Rhymes TV. You can find me on YouTube and on Twitter. And I also run the mofochronicles.com blog and I'm Mofo Chronicles everywhere. So you can't miss me. <laughs> at all. <laughs> so what it, we're, we're going to follow up with our discussion that we had in our first episode about our, our fibroid journey, right? And this, this episode, we're going to talk about the decision of how to, how we chose to handle our um, demon fibroids. <laughs> I know devil. mine's were. <laughs> <laughs> And, and we hope that um, at the end of this episode that you'll be inspired to share your story and give us some feedback on, you know, what you thought and what your journey has been so far. So Shamika, let me ask you, what brought you to your decision overall to seek the treatment that you did? Ultimately for me, I, well, first, you know, obviously I didn't want to even consider hysterectomy. That just seemed so final. And I wasn't even sure if I wanted to have kids. And the whole thing was like, what if I meet somebody? And then, you know, he wants kids. But then I wasn't even thinking about the fact that with all these fibroids and all the things going on, there is no room in there for a baby. So <laughs> I just said, I didn't want to, like, I had, think I also had kind of made peace with the fact that I knew I didn't want to carry a child after dealing with my leg nerve damage and all that stuff. And it just kind of terrified me that like, what if? Yeah. So I you know, of course got a few opinions and they were all kind of like, did you look at this MRI? Like, what are you, what else are you going to do? Mm -hmm. And, um, the one thing that the doctor said to me was, or the surgeon that did my surgery, he said, your uterus does not determine your worth. It does right. not determine whether or not you're a woman. It he's like, you're still going to have your, I kept my ovaries. So he's like, you're still going to have your ovaries. You're still going to have those hormones. And he said, but depending on, you know, he's like, and you, you'll need to go get tested for that. But like, he's like, if you wanted to retrieve those eggs, you can, he's like that you're still going to be releasing eggs. So you, you're just not going to have anything to carry a child in. He's like, so you can, you can still freeze those eggs and then get a get donor. Yeah. Surrogate. And mm. he's like, there, there are so many ways. So for me, that kind of felt like, okay, so the door is not completely closed. I mm. just, you know, and, and he also said, he said, think of it as the uterus is just, it's a muscle. He's like, you just don't need that muscle right now because it's causing all this drama. So you don't need the muscle. He's like, so take that away. He's like, it's, it's, you're still a woman. And I was right. like, oh, okay. Was right. my stomach going to be flat? Cause that's, you know, cause then I went back to that, like, okay. But, um, that, that we'll get into that in a minute, but that was ultimately what kind of made me decide, like, okay, like at least if that, that option is there, I can retrieve those eggs. Right. I think that was a big thing for me too, is 
not so much the, the egg retrieval, because I didn't really get into that discussion with my doctor. I think by the time that I decided to be honest, I didn't know I could, I didn't know that that was an option after you had a hysterectomy. I thought it was, and I still want to get clarity on that, but, um, it, it wasn't something that I really focused on. I just wanted to be rid of this eight month pregnancy looking belly that Mm -hmm. I had and all of the things that were coming along with it. And, you know, the, the conversation with my doctors was, it was just kind of the same. It was like, well, you can, you know, like what you're saying, you're, this doesn't define you and all of that. And I said, okay, I don't need that pep talk. Like, you know, I didn't, y'all trying to make me feel good about my decision. Mm -hmm. And, um, but I didn't, I just didn't feel like the, um, support was there, uh, afterwards, after Mm. the, the hysterectomy, I didn't feel that, that same conversation. It was kind of like, okay, well, at least you don't have that period no more. And I'm like, what? Right. Yeah. It's like, they're like, (laughs) girl, you could wear white. What? I never wore white before. You know, like that wasn't my goal. Right. Yeah. Um, You know, I never thought about that. There was a woman that, um, that I had spoken to and she said, Yes, girl, I went and bought a white dress and I, it didn't right. even click in my head. I was like, no. what, white, why? And then I, what does like, that symbolize? Right. And I didn't you think know? about it because I was like, I've been wearing white when I wasn't on my period. So it didn't like, yeah, <laughs> I didn't yeah. think about it. It didn't, it didn't matter. And that's what a lot of people were saying to me. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, my decision was I had reached an age. Mm-hmm. I was really at an age of, girl, you, you're not going to want to carry a child at 47, 48 years old. My cutoff personally was 45. I said, okay, if it's not happening by 45, that's it for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's just my personal, you know, reason I know many women who have carried later. Um, I remember having a conversation with my mom and I said, well, you know, do we know anybody that's carried babies up until their late forties? And she said, yeah, some of your, you know, her aunts you know, a lot of women, in our family had children at later in life. And I said, mm, I, don't, I don't want that. <laughs> so it was the main thing was the decision to just end my suffering, because mm-hmm. it was suffering. And I don't think people realize that. I think people just think fibroids, um, you got the heavy, the heavy cycle for a couple of days, and then you're good. And then you ain't got to think about it again until the next month. But no, that's still traumatic. It became traumatic for me. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it wasn't even just for me, it wasn't just the bleeding. That was the problem and, you know, looking pregnant, but it was, my stomach was so sensitive. Like if you touched it or if I brushed up against something, mm-hmm. it would hurt because that fibroid was pressing like right up here at the top of my abdomen, like under my bra line, it was right. like pressing. So it was like, if I were sitting at the, at my like bar in the kitchen and I leaned over, it would be like, ow, that hurts. Oh, wait, right. fibroids in the way. Like, you know, so right. that, so it's weird now. So I, even when I'm sitting there and I lean over and I'm like, oh, wait, I, it doesn't hurt now. Yeah. So it was a fullness. It felt mm-hmm. like I couldn't, first of all, I couldn't see my feet mm-hmm. um, standing straight up. Like <laughs> I couldn't see my feet and I couldn't paint my toenails. I could barely tie my shoes because that belly it, and it's hard. It would mm-hmm. be hard. So it wasn't a, a fat, just a fat belly. It was literally hard when you pressed against it. 
And um, so those things, once I had had them removed, I was able to see down now mm-hmm. without any kind of big old belly in my way. And I could easily comfortably paint my toenails. So that was like a huge thing for me. I don't know why. And I don't do it. I don't paint my nails like that all the time. So I don't know why I was <laughs> celebrating. <laughs> It's the little things. (laughs) But I just remember like really getting excited about being able to reach down and paint my toes, you know, so. (laughs) Well, you know, yeah, it's, it's those, those little things like, you know, just, um, but then it goes also to those things like, how did you prepare yourself for, you know, everybody's always like, oh, you're going to be so upset and you're going to grieve and you're going to this and you're going to that. Like, how did you prepare yourself emotionally and what emotions did you go through after the hysterectomy? Oh, I, I think I was just so ready to get it done that it didn't hit me. I kind of had the same mindset when I was getting married. I just, I just was going through the planning stages. And then when that day happened, it was like, oh, hell no, I'm married. You know, it was that. I don't care. That's a, I don't care. Cause I told him straight up. That's how I felt. But anyway, that's another story, but I kind of, it happened the same way for me. So I I went through the planning stages of it and, um, in 2021 and people had told me not to get it done because I had just lost my mother. Mm. And so they were just like, okay, you're still in that grieving process. You know, you're adding more emotional stuff onto you. And I was like, listen, um, this cycle is driving me even more (laughs) crazy and emotional. So I think I prepared myself by um, doing, you know, just reading things and reading about the emotional effects of um, that happen with hysterectomies and talking to my friends, talking to my girlfriends and seeing if they thought about things like that. But a lot of them, I mean, practically all of my friends that have had a hysterectomy have already had children. So their mindset was a little different, right? They weren't thinking about, well, I want to still have a child. No, me personally, I made peace with not having children. So that part was easy, I guess. Mm -hmm. But I think the day after the day I had the hysterectomy and I came home, that's when I started noticing all these different um, emotions that I, that I wasn't expecting. I was thinking about everything but the hysterectomy itself. I was thinking about my mom. I was thinking about, oh my God, what did I just do? This is permanent. I can't go back. I even tried to ask my doctor if I could get my idea. (laughs) Because I was so emotional and Mm. I'm not a, I'm not a crier. So I was crying all the time. Um, my, my friend that came to be with me during this, he was just kind of looking at me like, what is wrong with you? Because he couldn't understand, you know, mm-hmm. I couldn't understand. So it was the emotions that I was, and then I was crying. I was crying because I was mad that I was crying. Oh, it was yeah. all these different weird um, thoughts that came over me the, the first week that I was home. And the one that was probably the most scary was just, which I, which I read another person say somewhere that she had suicidal thoughts and I had never, I said, what am I going to do? You know, like, where is this thought coming from? So that's when I got out my oil and I said, (laughs) 
<laughs> you sage that room in yourself. Listen, I said, because when I start thinking, I, I think my friend was like, he said, yeah, because you did say in one of your crying fits, you wanted to go be with your mother. And I said, well, wait a minute, you know, and that's when I started realizing that the hysterectomy was more, you know, removing that uterus maybe had some other issues. Maybe there was some other connections to your emotions or your obviously hormonal. And I didn't know that. So when I did go back for my follow-up, I talked to my doctor about that and she says, oh yeah, that's normal. Well, now you tell me like, that's normal to have those kind of thoughts. I'd never heard of that. No. I mean, did you have like, what was your, how how did you deal with it? So I've been in therapy for years. So I just, you know, took that to therapy with me. And, and I realized though, that my, and my therapist who I plan to break up with, um, she wasn't digging deep enough to help me handle these emotions. And maybe Mm. she's not the therapist that is equipped to deal with something like this because she's never experienced it either. Mm-hmm. And so I, um, and, and people can go to parade.com to read the article, but I started EFT tapping um, oh. like months ago. But, um, and one of the things like, cause I was tapping on having to deal with like handling people's reactions to how big my stomach had gotten, tapping mm. on those things and tapping on trying not to hide behind fibroids and all that stuff. So then when I decided to, we even tapped on my decision to have the hysterectomy so that I could. And so for just quick, quickly for people that don't know what EFT tapping is, you're tapping on like your, um, there's, I forget how many points in your body, you're just tapping, using your fingers, tapping, and you're talking through, just talking through like from the negative things that you're thinking until you reach this positive resolution. And it almost just relieves the stress. Cause as you're tapping, you're hitting these like acupressure points or whatever they're called oh. so, yeah so it's like you're digging deep you're crying you're doing everything and then afterwards you're like oh that felt good so we what? just kind of we were tapping I, I went to I have a, a practitioner that that's what she does so we would mm. tap through um, I'd say probably a month ahead of, of the hysterectomy we tapped through it tapped through every emotion I was having um, I was even terrified to tell the dude I was dating um, about it. Like I was scared that he, of his reaction. Cause I would think he would think I was damaged. So I was scared about right. that. And then until I got to the resolution of this, my body, I don't care what right, he think. Right. If he don't want to stick around, whatever, like, right. you know, but, and then when I finally decided to, so what I did tell him, I was in Vegas in the bathroom at, in the casino when it was loud. And I was like, Hey, I'm having a me. Gotta go. <laughs> oh my God. Of See? course he's like, what'd you say? <laughs> Mm-mm. But but Mm-mm. when I did finally act like I have some sense and tell him when it was quiet, his reaction was not at all what I had built in my head that I thought it would be. He was just like, you said you have fibroids and this will help. Yeah. Okay, what do you need? I was mm-hmm. like, what? I, oh, this is different. But anyway, so that's yeah. kind of how I dealt with it. And I had friends telling me that I needed to do some, um, like tell my uterus goodbye, like have some kind of ceremony um, do all these things, but for yeah. me, tapping helped the most. And then the therapy helped. And there was maybe the week of the surgery. Um, I just, I don't know what it was. I was actually, I do know what it was. I was, that was the time I was probably about to start my period. Mm-hmm. So I literally just sat and cried about like all the, the unborn babies names that I had come up with over the years and mm-hmm. just cried it out. And then I was like, all right, okay let's do this, you know, and then mm-hmm. but the way that my EFT tapping um, practitioner framed this for me, which also helped, she said, 
think about all these fibroids that's in your body right now. She's like, that's like 20 something. She's like, think of that as 20 something years of all the disappointments, all these raggedy ass men that have Mm. disappointed you. Every disappointment represents one of these fibroids. You're wiping the slate clean and getting rid of all that drama, all that just negativity that's in your body. She's like, you're getting a clean slate. So think of it from that angle, like this is a new beginning. And so when I walked into the hospital that day, I was like, I'm good. I'm getting my new start. And until like right before they wheeled me back and I had a complete meltdown (laughs) because the nurse actually was like, are you sure you don't want to have kids and all this stuff? Like, oh, that's not appropriate. It's not appropriate at at all. And and I just broke down, but they just, I was like, if y'all don't knock me out now, I'm about to get up and walk out. Right. (laughs) That's the last thing I remember. (laughs) <laughs> oh my God. You know, I didn't know. I, I didn't do any of that. Like that was good. What your doctor told you to do because, or your therapist, because I, I didn't equate none of my fibroids with none of, none of, <laughs> none of the men that I've been. Hell, I should have did that. Cause that probably would have made it easier, but I didn't. But you know, but I only noticed that like every time I had a breakup or some kind of drama with a dude, that's when I mm-hmm. noticed that the fibroids were like, they popped up or they were like in full force. So that was easy for wow. me to kind of correlate that with, with these, mm-hmm. trying not to, to cuss too much, <laughs> but mm-hmm. with them, them <laughs> mofos. Them mofos. Yeah. So mm-hmm. then, but after surgery, I didn't, I kept waiting for that grief thing to hit that I kept hearing about. And I was like, I don't, I don't feel it. I don't, nothing. The only time I like literally started to break down and cry. And I think it was at that point, I was just stressed trying to handle something for my dad who was unable to get out and go to the store and he needed somebody like I had to call 911 for him. It was like all this stuff started happening and I was getting Mm -hmm. overwhelmed three weeks post-op and I literally just lost it. I was Mm. crying and I was the thing that I started crying about and like ranting about was that my deodorant wasn't working. Like crying, (laughs) boo-hooing. And my mom was like, we will get you some new deodorant. Calm down. (laughs) (laughs) But, but yeah, I haven't really, I don't feel like I've really had this moment of grief or, or anything like that. My, my, the, I think for me, the main emotion after has been, when is the swelling going to go down? When is my stomach going to be flat? Like they promised. (laughs) Right. Right. When can I go back to my normal routine and feel normal and and, and wear my clothes? (laughs) Yeah. And, and be able to do things. And that was, my thing too, because I just kept saying, I just want to feel like my old self. I just want to feel like my old self. And I had a friend of mine, she said, well, what is your old self? Because you've been dealing with these fibroids for a while. So do you even remember? She was like, why not just create a new, like, you know, go from here. Cause you got a new vagina. I said, well, wait a minute. (laughs) a vagina. (laughs) (laughs) she said girl you got a whole new just think of it as a whole new brand new fresh vagina virgin vagina okay a virgin okay well yes you know so but but the side effects um the emotional side effects that that threw me because I was expecting it to be more child about children and it wasn't it was about all this other stuff that was just ridiculous Um, so, and the physical side effect. Now this surgery for me was, um, when I first had my, my myomectomy, um, that was not as bad, I think as 
what I've experienced this time. And I only say bad, it wasn't physically from the hysterectomy, but I think it was that it threw my hormones to, I mean, just, I don't, I still think that I'm kind of just now getting my hormones a little bit back on track. Um, but this was what I wasn't expecting to have to deal with. I had bad sleeping spells. I couldn't sleep past four or five hours. Um, my eating changed once again. Um, I was eating all kinds of stuff again. Um, just the different hormones. I started, once I got the clearance to work out, I started working out, going back to my normal routine. The weight started to come on and I was getting freaked out about the weight. Um, my face started breaking out, just acne, like all of these different things. And when I would talk to my doctor about it, she just would, okay, let's get a blood test. Let's do a blood test. But it was all these physical side effects that happened after my hysterectomy that I heard nothing about. Nobody told me, none of my friends had experienced it. No, it was just like, okay, I couldn't find anything anywhere written about it, except when I started going on that Facebook group. It, it's a Facebook group for hysterectomies, um, women with hysterectomies. And I started seeing the same things through these other women. Um, did, did you have any side effects? Um, so I'm just a little over three months out right now. So mm -hmm. I, my face has been broken out. Like there's just this red patch right in between my eyebrows that will not go away. Um, mm. and I just feel like my skin was like super dry all over. Like, yeah, it felt like, like my, even my scalp was super, super dry. And my hairdresser was like, what is going on? Why is your scalp so dry? Yeah. And I was like, I don't know. Like it, it has never been like that except when my iron is low. But at this point, my iron is back to normal. I just experienced a lot of um, more fatigue than like the normal after surgery fatigue because of at that time, like six weeks post-op, I was like something, it feels like my ferritin has dropped again. And I'm glad I went and got checked because that it had dropped to like, a, we caught it at 39 because again, it should be over 50. So right now I have mm -hmm. a super elevated level. So I have energy <laughs> and it's like, All right. My, right now it's like 300 something. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, what else can I do? What else, like crackhead? What else can I do? <laughs> <laughs> Let me clean the ceiling. I don't know. Oh, but, oh. Um, but yeah, mm -hmm. so like mostly just, just the, the fatigue. I still do take naps every day because after I do, I'm doing a lot, mm -hmm. like it feels like my body's like, sit down, sit down or the biggest physical thing for me has been the swelling, like the, the swelly belly, as they call it in that group, the yeah. swelling, um, you know, I, I had on a, a, you know, I can fit in my jeans, but I can't wear them for long because my stomach starts to swell throughout the day. Yeah. So that's been annoying. And then like, I want to get back to my workout routine, which is riding my exercise bike, but my, um, those stomach muscles are like, girl, what you doing? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, no, we're not ready for that. So it's like, I just, I'm, I'm still kind of in that phase of just like, I'm lost as to what works, what doesn't. There are foods now that I discovered I don't really like anymore. Like I love, love French fries like that. I could eat French fries for a meal before, but now it's like, ew, I don't like French fries anymore. Yeah. Stuff like that. So it's, I'm still trying to find out what foods I like, which foods that, um, I'm, that agree with me because I'm finding that some no longer agree with me. It's mm. just this, the, the things that these doctors don't tell you. And then when you ask them about it, it's like, they're like, well, I've never heard of that. You're weird. Right. right. It's my, um, my primary care 
the doctor. She just, I mean, I've been through so many blood tests to try to figure out what was going on. My hair was shedding really bad. That was like the first indication to me that something wasn't right. Cause my hair is, is usually pretty thick. And when it starts just coming out where I felt like it was tumbleweed, just <laughs> like just hollow. And my hair is not like that. I started having um, these weird rashes, just different, you know, pimples all over. And I said, what in the world is going on? Cause this was not happening before my hysterectomy. And every time I talked to her, she says, well, I don't think it's linked to that. Well, it's linked to something because this isn't, this isn't hat. This wasn't happening prior to. And I think that's where women, we need to really, and we said this before on our first episode that, um, you need to really advocate for yourself. You need to really know your body and pay attention to your body because these doctors will make you feel like you're crazy and they'll just keep, you know, I done had so many blood panels done um, over the course of six, seven months that it, it was ridiculous. And mm-hmm. I finally, I'm almost a year now to be a year in July that um, I've had since I've had my hysterectomy. So it's now coming together. Things are starting to fall in place. My hair is starting to not shed as much. My um, my weight gain is starting to level off a little bit. If I can just keep my ass from these day on <laughs> chips and diff- different thing now, but however, um, but it's starting to level off. Um, you know, the one thing that I did notice last November, I developed, developed like this digestive thing, um, that I didn't have before. It felt like I had a knot in the back of my throat. It was just, it wouldn't go away. Mm-hmm. Um, the doctor kept saying, oh, it's stress and you tighten your jaw. I'm like, I'll tighten my jaws unless I'm chewing something. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> that <laughs> I'm going to leave that one alone. <laughs> Listen, okay. But, <laughs> but, you know, it was just driving me nuts because this is almost a year in and she's, just seen me so many times. And I think early on, she tried to equate it to, which honestly it could have been just stress still from my mom's passing. It could have been that because all of this started happening at the same time. So she couldn't tell if it was hormones, if it was the hysterectomy, if it was me grieving, she couldn't tell because everything mimicked all of that. So, um, a good girlfriend of mine said, you know, go to an internal medicine, um, person and let them run a panel. And here's, here's the blood work that you need to get done. And she gave me a list. And, um, I think that's where medicine has to, you have to change up your doctors. You can't have your, I'm, I'm a, I'm a one-stop shop person. I just want to go to my, my primary care and have her do every doggone thing. Cause I feel you should know you went to medical school. You should know everything, right. you know, but they don't. So, um, it's good to go to different specialists for different things. And the next thing that I have to do is go to a hormonal specialist to really figure out what's going on and to put me on a, a better path than just keep getting blood tests every six months. Right. One of the other things I, I just remembered that ha- started to happen after the hysterectomy, I was dizzy. Like I couldn't mm, like completely yeah. flat because I, w- I would get dizzy. Um, even going to the hair salon, I'd be like, wait, I have to sit up because I'm dizzy. The room is spinning. And I would always like kind of like if I got up out of bed, yeah, end up kind of feel like I'm about to walk into the wall yep. on one side. And it's um that was 
kind of crazy. So when I went to the doctor um, during my um, one of my follow-ups, I think it was the hematologist, and she was just like, I, I don't know what that is, but then she did some a panel and said that it was it could have been from being dehydrated. Mm. And um, so I drank more water. I was like, I'm still dizzy though. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. had to go. It was just that kind of having then having to go to an ENT and finding out it was a type of vertigo and doing mm-hmm. the exercises to go with it. It's it's kind of helped, but it's still that sometimes I still feel like it's still there. And then I remember going for my last post-op visit and I said, my stomach keeps swelling. How long will this last? Knowing I had read it in that group. And so I was like, I'm not crazy. Yeah. And my doctor, um, well, actually she's the, the doctor's, um, I guess the PA, she was like, I've never heard of that. Like maybe that you have, maybe you've got some kind of underlying inflammatory mm. illness. And I was like, yeah. what? <laughs> I was like, no, this is like other people that have had hysterectomies are going through this. I'm asking you how to handle this. And right. she's like, I, I can't help you basically. Wow. See, so. and that's, that's so frustrating mm-hmm. because I have yet to see my gynecologist who um, did my hysterectomy because I just felt like, okay, I, your job is done now. Right. <laughs> and yeah. There's nothing else for me to do until I see you again. But um, that's when I started researching and finding a lot of things out on my own. I had, you have to research, you have to read once, I think it was probably three months after my hysterectomy, I got on WebMD and all these different um, websites and I started looking up the pros and cons of having a hysterectomy. And I tell you what, I, I saw a few cons. There weren't that many, I will be honest, but the ones that I did see, I said, yeah, see, this is why I should have looked into this beforehand, but I was just so gung-ho about you know, ending my suffering that I didn't do as thorough, but I feel like my doctor should have talked more with me about the cons, Mm -hmm. um, about any issues that could possibly happen afterwards, things that I could experience afterwards. She never did. She basically, um, you know, said that my bleeding would obviously be gone and the bloating and all of that would be gone. Um, I would still have my ovaries, which means I would still have the effects of, you know, hormonal changes. And I still have a, what someone called a phantom period, mm-hmm. which freaked me out because I said, I don't want to hear nothing about a period. No more. Right. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. And I said, and, and a phantom one, what does that mean? And she says, well, you know, it's like when you lose a limb, you still have that feeling that a limb is there. I said, I don't know that feeling. So mm-hmm. So it it basically is your hormones are still going to do like the PMS stuff. And I I still have that. Um, but the doctors don't tell you that. They don't say, in, my doctor didn't tell me much. She just kind of said, okay, well, you know, you are at that age. I almost cussed. <laughs> <laughs> but I But I feel that they don't tell you enough. And that's why you have to go in there telling them to yeah. tell you. You have to know the questions to ask. Did you, did you, I brought in a list of questions for my doctor before, you know, surgery. Did you have questions for your doctor? 
I did. And I know they were sick of me. They were so sick. And even <laughs> when I went back to the post op, I came in there with my little post-it note and she was like, yeah. oh, you got your list. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was asking questions like, okay, with this cuff, how much room is left in there? Oh, like, not the cuff. Yeah. How, how like big <laughs> somebody can, can they fit in there? Like, you know, all these questions, uh, what positions, <laughs> all the things like I was now, like, I we have to, to we have it. to, we have to tell the audience about the cuff, the cuff. Yes. I now, did not know what a cuff was because Shelly kept talking about, <laughs> make sure you don't <laughs> tear your cuff. So in my brain, I'm thinking I didn't get a cuff because I was like, the doctor did not give me some little pretty bracelet that oh my gets God. up in there. I don't, and when I mm-hmm. asked him, he said cuff. So Shelly, you tell them what a cuff is because well, you I didn't mean, explain it to me correctly. Because I don't, okay, I, when I was listening to or talking to some of my friends, um, nobody mentioned that about the hysterectomy. Every single one of them said, oh my God, I had the best, girl, I am so happy. So that's all I heard. But then when people, when I went to um, whatever website that was, I think it was on a, the Facebook group and I saw women talk about this cuff. I said, well, what the hell? What is a cuff? Like, is it, is it literally like, like you said, is it a bracelet? Is it something that they put up? I thought it was actually a device that that's inserted in you. And I didn't know what it did, but I thought it was something that was up in you, you know, that they put in you. So the cuff is, um, it's a closure. So it's a closure, like at the top of your vagina where the cervix is okay so where the cervix is um that's where they <laughs> well they take the cervix out they gotta they take the cervix so yes <laughs> so it's so it's a closure yeah where at the top of your vagina and the surgeon he goes in he or she goes in and they stitch it together so that you know your other parts that are up in there what your bladder your uh, over your intestines, all of that doesn't fall through and come through your whole vagina opening. And and if you are in that hysterectomy group on Facebook, there's so many Ooh. women. I mean, Ooh. you would think it happens to like everybody, but it's like a lot of these women aren't following doctor's instructions. No, be real. And you like, and you, and the and the cuff needs to heal. Yeah, because if it tears or if it gets impacted in any way. It could, you know, you'd have to go in and get it surgically done and all this kind of stuff. You create issues for yourself. So there's been women that I guess they gone and rushed back to having relations. I saw one that had, she literally day after surgery because her husband or boyfriend wanted to have sex. Now, ladies, you know what? If your man cannot wait because you have gone through like this traumatic major surgery for your body. Like he ain't the one. Like let him go if he feels like he can't. That's a whole nother show. Look, (laughs) one of my girlfriends, and she's a she's an older, she's a seasoned lady, and she said to me, and I'm gonna I'm gonna take out the cuss, but she basically said, "Well, girl, you know, you know these men folk, they don't know how to wait. They can't control themselves. So, you know, that's why you got other holes." (laughs) Wait. Okay. After this surgery, you don't want them other holes. So that's the first thing on my mind. It was not sex. You know, after I had my history, I was just literally, I would lay in the bed just trying to feel if I felt different. Like, do I feel different? Do I feel 
that an organ is missing? Because I really thought I was going to feel like something was missing. And I would lay in the bed thinking and looking for it and feeling for it. And I didn't feel any different, honestly. But I did. Well, and I still do, maybe because I'm still early on, but like I still can't sleep on my side because it feels like when I do, everything is like whoosh to the other side. It's still really, yeah. And so it's like I'm still sleeping on my back because it still feels weird. I don't know. It just, it, it still feels so you feel organs moving. You know, it just feels like it. Yeah. It feels like whoosh. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if anybody else has that whoosh. That's not well. No, um, no. But if I lay to the left, it's okay. But but, and I think that's because my uterus used to be laid up against the my the colon on that side. So, and it was tilted that way. So maybe now that that space is not completely filled yet, I don't know. I'm just I don't know. But it's I have a whoosh. No, I'm I'm almost a year out now, and I don't. I don't feel any different. And I'm glad about that because I, I thought I would feel like something was missing. Um, and I don't, you know, it's it, that part, I'm glad that I don't feel anything. I don't feel hollow. I don't feel nothing. And I actually, when I went back for my checkup, checkup, I asked the doctor, I said, now, listen, she said, oh my God, cause she knew I was going to be a fool. She, I said, listen, did you, you know, did you take everything out that you needed to get? And she said, yes. <laughs> I said, are you sure? Because I still feel the same. Like I still, you know, my stomach was still bloated, all those things. And she said, it's going to take time for your stomach to go down. So mm. your stomach is not going to go down right away. So, you know, you can forget it. But, um, and it's just now going down to where it's just fat now. And that's my, that's me. <laughs> that's on my part. It's just fat, but it's not the, the, it took you almost what, eight, nine months. Yeah. To, to, to where I'm at right now, I feel like I did prior to Okay. without all of the other issues. So I feel good. You know, I feel I'm, I'm working out, I'm doing my, my usual thing. My thing now is just really regulating my hormones and really, I I really didn't know that they were going to be as affected. Mm-hmm. I really didn't. I don't know why I didn't know that, but we don't know these things because you're not spending your time thinking about it and researching it. So I didn't know until afterwards. Now I'm having to understand what to eat, what not to eat. Um, does this send you into early menopause? Am I expecting to have to go through that now? So it's all these different things that now I'm learning my body. I'm learning this new uh, body now. And that's, that's, has its ups and downs, mm-hmm. but um, I'm playing with different things. Like you said, there's certain stuff that you just can't eat now. Um, whereas before you used to eat all the time. My thing is dairy. I can't eat it now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if I do, it, it's not, it, it doesn't work for me. So um, I guess that the main thing is just to learn what to expect, to ask questions, to go to the, like, I'm sorry, people don't feel to go to the Facebook groups and to go to these different news groups or whatever um, regarding your health issue or whatever, but I do because that helped me to understand what to expect and also what to look out for. Because the, like we said, the doctors weren't really telling us that. But I will say the flip side of that for me was I was getting discouraged 
by reading some of these women are like one month post-op flat stomach. Yay. I'm in a bikini yeah. or back in my jeans. And I'm like, <laughs> one girl went to Hawaii two days after her history. I'm like, right. what? Right. So I was, yeah. and then I had to step back and think like, I don't know what all she had going on inside. I had a lot that they had to do. And I was dealing with the iron deficiency and other things. So I'm like, everybody's body is different. Your recovery is going to be different, but you can't compare yourself to somebody else's um, journey. But I mean, it still was good to see there are people that were like experiencing some of the same things that I Mm -hmm. was, or if I had a question that I didn't feel like I could call you and ask, I'd be like, let me just look on here and see if anybody else brought it up and see what they say. (laughs) But like, you know, I just, um, those, those things that, yeah, I would just definitely continue. Like we said before, do your research, um, ask, ask the doctor those questions. And if they can't answer your questions, go for me, it was okay. You don't want to answer them. I'm gonna go to another doctor and and ask him. And, um, until you get that resolution that you need, because again, it's your body. You have to be your own advocate. I mean, we can't stress that enough. And I know it just seems like that's, you know, we say that all the time or we're repeating it and over and over, but it, it really is because doctors are not telling you everything. And we don't want, I know I don't want this episode to scare people or scare you away from having a hysterectomy or, you know, because you hear the, the different things that we had or we experienced, but it's to help you. It's to help you make a a good decision that's going to benefit you. I mean, we had different issues as to why um, we decided to come to this point, but we share our, um, I don't know, we're now part of another sisterhood that uh, <laughs> that we can honestly, hopefully give back to those that, that are coming up behind us that can say, Hey, you know, what did you go through? Because I'm experiencing this, or no one has ever talked to me about that. I know my mother never talked to me about hysterectomy and I know, um, she was not really for it, um, for various reasons. And, uh, I've kind of had a little bit of, and frustration, you know, when I was going through my fibroid situation, um, and just talking to her about that. And I said, well, I'm, I'm going to have a hysterectomy if I have to go through these fibroids again. And she really wasn't for that, you know, so you'll have people that'll be on your side, understand, um, be supportive. I, we try to be supportive to each other and it's, it's important to just do your research and talk to people, um, and not just let the doctors tell you, oh, this is what you have to do, or this is the best outcome for you. Mm-hmm. You have to really think about that, really decide what's best for your body. One other thing that I um, would also stress, because, you know, we were saying you have to follow doctor's instructions. Mm-hmm. And so you don't tear that cuff. But that, one of the biggest cuff, things girl. <laughs> for me was having to, I hate asking for help. So having mm-hmm. to rely on people and ask for help was hard. Yeah. But I also decided to move in the middle of all this too. So I do not recommend that. But <laughs> having to have to ha- ask people, can you help me pack? Because I decided to move yeah. <laughs> at this time because I yeah. can't pick this up. But like having to really rely on people to, you know, whether it's um, because you can't bend over, you can't do a lot of the things Mm-mm. that you did before, Um you know, I, I can recall my mom gave me a, like, I stayed with her the first week and a half, and then I was determined to go home. But, you mm-hmm. know, she gave me a grabber to pick things up. 
And one of the most frustrating things was like, I got in the shower and I dropped the soap. And I was like, ain't this about it? <laughs> I'm not going to get it. I got the grabber and the grabber is not catching it. it was just- That's why you're supposed to use body soap, body wash. Well, I had, you know what? I didn't the first, when I, at first, because I was like antibacterial soap. So I wanted to use that around the incisions and everything. Oh, yeah. That's why. Yeah. So um, and I didn't want to use body soap and get irritated because my skin be acting funny. So, oh my gosh. <laughs> but yeah, so I was like, and of course I had already moved the body soap out of the, the out tub. Of so there was, it wasn't there to even <laughs> grab as a backup. So it was kind of like, well, I got to sit here and wait to, for somebody to come over here. <laughs> yeah. For me. <laughs> yeah. See, I, my, uh, he's, he's my best friend from, we've been best friends since high school. He was with me during my, my first surgery and he was just determined to, I don't know, maybe he's pledged his life to just being with me during surgery times, but he, uh, flew out here and was with me for, um, two weeks. I think it was two and a half weeks. And he was like, no, I'm going to be here for a couple, you know, at least three or four weeks. I said, I had it. Hell you are. Cause you know, we have that energy where if we're around each other for too long, we start getting on each other's nerves. Mm-hmm. And after the first week I was like, I'm determined to get well. I don't care what I got to do because I want you go- to go back home. You know, when men come over, And this is just a sidebar. I'm just very particular about how I keep my stuff. And he would cook things and leave the, (laughs) leave the pot a certain way. And it would just piss me (laughs) off. Like it would set me all the way off. I ordered this pot. It was brand new. I wanted to break it in. I kept it hidden so he wouldn't use it. And then he went and got the pot and started cooking with it. I just had a fit. But um, after that first week, I was like, okay, um, I'm walking now. Um, I'm ready to take you home mm-hmm. and uh, or take you to the airport. And the airport is about an hour away from me. And he was like, you sure you're going to be able to drive? <laughs> <You know? laughs> I got my little pillow. I got my, you know, my blanket, anything to, to help buffer my stomach area and prepare it for that drive because I was determined to get him back. But after I came back home and I now had to do everything myself, mm-hmm. I, again, asking for help. That's, that was very hard for me because I'm very independent and I don't like people taking care of me when I'm sick, you know, um, But yes, that's the one time when you really will need somebody because you are not going to be physically able to do as much as you think. And and your mind will tell you, oh, yeah, I can walk now. I can walk full on up and down stairs all day. And once you hit that one stair, that is going to put you out for about a couple of days on flat on the couch. You ain't going to be able to do much else. So you thinking, oh, I'm going to move and pack boxes and all of that. You should have, you should have got cussed. Well, you know what it would be. So then I made the goal. I'm going to pack one box a day. Some days it didn't happen at all. Like I was, I got to the (laughs) point where I was like, I'm just going to like take my arm and just sweep it all into the box. I'm not even going to (laughs) try. Like it was just, and then I just had to break down and I hired somebody to come and pack because I just was, I couldn't do it. And then moving, it was like, okay, now I got to ask some friends. Can they, you know, help me carry stuff and and stuff like that and it was just like they were yelling at me like don't pick that up but I'm still like no I got it and they're like no 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 but um and I remember when I told you like I think I was barely 
two weeks post-op and I was like, I want to go home. And I live in a three-level townhome. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, I just need to go to my house to get some stuff because I just want to go home. And you were like, nope, don't do it. So my mom lives like 40, probably 40 minutes away. So we get in the car, she's hitting every bump in the road, you know, and I went up and down them steps a couple of times and we go back bumping around the road back to her house. And that wiped me out for the rest yeah. of that day, the next day. Yeah. Yeah. And see, that's what people don't understand when you have that kind of surgery. It's still, I don't care what you see on what your friends say. Some of my friends was like, oh, I was good after a week. I went back to work the second week. I didn't go back until my sixth week and I could have used another three, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, so you got to listen to your body because my director, she's actually a retired nurse. And she told me, she said, you know what? I don't care what you say. You need to take your full time and don't be trying to rush back here. She said, because you only get one shot to heal right the first time. Right. And this is one thing you don't want to rush back for because if you, if you don't heal properly, you're going to be messed up. And when she said that, I bet you my tail was sitting in this bed and on that couch for almost eight weeks. Like, seriously, mm-hmm. I felt it and I knew I, I wouldn't be able to do what I wanted to do mentally. So just keep that in mind. Don't be superwoman thinking you can do everything. Definitely have help if you have children, if you have you know, a spouse, if you have grandparents, whoever can come over and help you, definitely you'll need it at least for the first two weeks. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you can figure out what you're going to do after that. But at least for the first two weeks, you definitely gonna need help. Absolutely. And I I do see a lot of people always ask, when did you go back to work? I, my doctor wrote me out for four weeks and I knew, I knew better. Oh, wow. (laughs) So, and I, and at that point I was getting, I was super exhausted too. Yeah. So like I went to that post-op and I was like, no, and they were like, okay, we'll, we'll push it to six weeks. So six weeks is when we discovered my ferritin was low. So that's when they were like, okay, we're going to do iron infusions. Like it was five iron infusions over the course of two weeks. It was literally every other day. And I was yeah. like, ain't no way. Cause those wiped me out. They're exhausting. And I was like, I can't even go back to work and then take the next day off. And I was like, I'm not doing that. So I stayed out um, for eight weeks. And then even coming back, I still, I probably could have done 12 weeks, honestly. Yeah. I mean, even now getting back to like recording my, cause I do a lot of freelance stuff. So even getting back into that flow, like I'm still not hundred percent back into doing the volume of content that I was pushing out before. Like I took on a lot of assignments, writing assignments for this month. And I literally had to realize like I can't do it and had to tell my editor like hey I thought I could but I'm not ready um yeah I'm gonna need to slide this back to you even though you know so it was just one of those things where you have to also listen to your body yeah you definitely have to listen to your body even though your mind is telling you something differently you gotta definitely listen to your body I started um ensuring that you know when I went to my doctor after my six week or I think she saw me after five or five weeks and she said, are you experiencing any bleeding? I said, nah, you know, on and off. And, and she said, you shouldn't be. So that means you're doing too much. And I was like, all I'm doing is walking from the bed to the couch. Like, you know, mm-hmm. what am I doing? And that, that meant just sit down, you know? So the, the, the planning, and that's what I was sharing with, with um, Shamika before it's like the planning, like make your list of all the things you need to get 
when you make you text me that whole like baby you need I was like what are you talking about <laughs> look see see what I'm saying and that's why this podcast is important because we're here to tell y'all all the things that we may not have known but I felt I said when she I asked her if she had a list of all the things and she said oh no I just was gone I said what do you mean you just gonna know and I had to send a list of all these different things that that I didn't know that I needed but once I went through it I said oh I could have used that I could have got that I could have a binder for my belly you know just different things that the doctors didn't give me a list they just yeah. said, be here by seven o'clock in the morning so we can get this done. Right. right. <laughs> and by the way, there is a list on, on my blog, themofochronicles.com that, um, that was helpful to me, which I also, some of it I got from Shelly, some of it I got just as I went along and was like, oh, this was helpful. This, like, like she mentioned, a binder was helpful mm-hmm. for her, but for me, it hurt to put it on and I didn't, I don't even know where that thing is. <laughs> <laughs> you probably got the wrong one. No, no. I mean, I did put it on, but I think because for me, a binder worked when I had the myomectomy, I think maybe yeah. it was just the positioning of the scars. So it yeah, was, yeah. was uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we should leave people with a positive experience because I feel like we've scared them this entire episode. We should it, leave it, them with a positive experience that we've had since we've had our hysterectomy. So hmm. what, what positive thing can you leave people with? That sex is the same for me. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Listen, because you know they they probably sitting here waiting for it all this time about right. well, this sex is to me. I didn't I didn't you know think it would be any different. At first, I did because I was like, oh, how is this gonna affect? Well, how long did you wait? Um, oh, I waited well well past my time. See, see, I went into this thinking like my girlfriend said, this is a new vagina. Okay, this is a whole just think of it as a whole new thing. So anybody that (laughs) you want to share time with should, you know, be be what you want. Like, don't I'm not going to waste a new vagina on some some terrible sex, some (laughs) trash. Okay, so no, I waited. I waited close to probably I would say it was a good four or five months. I wasn't rushing, rushing back. to to doing anything um only because I was still scared I was still scared of that cuff and I was (laughs) was still (laughs) you know a little intimidated because I said you know I wonder if a man is going to be able to tell the difference I wonder if he's going to be able to know and they don't know nothing number one ain't even thinking about that when they go on them you know they Thing, but I I waited a while I will say I waited a while and I wasn't dating in, in the you know in a relationship at the time so that helped but um yeah I think sex for me when it when it did happen it was the same it felt the same you know I didn't I didn't have a big old belly in between us so that that helped <laughs> <laughs> that helped with it but it it was the same. It was physically, I didn't feel any different. And that was what I was hoping for. What I'm about you? That, I'm thinking that people are going to want to have a whole sex episode because we will know like, you know, they want details, but yes, I have not um, ventured down that road. I still have my, I still have stitches. Um, so I'm, I'm right now about, I'm about to turn the corner of 15 weeks post-op. I don't know how many months that ends up being a little over three almost mm-hmm. four, but, um, no, I'm, I'm okay over here. <laughs> yeah. Especially after, after moving and I, I will admit I did pick up some boxes and stuff, but, and I could feel like the swelling. I kept texting Shelly. I was like, my mound is swelling. 
<laughs> she's like you're what I was like the mound like you know the you know, cubic area like the mound and um yeah so I I'm still icing my mound and everything else <laughs> oh my god I hate that word like every time she texts me that student I say you know what I don't even know what that is. Shout did you relate? Did you relate it to baseball? No, like a pitcher's my, mound? My sister calls it a mound. So I didn't think oh. about baseball, but I guess, yeah, because it's shaped like a mound. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but um, so my positive experience, um, I I think that just for me right now, it's just not having a period, not having to um, yeah. deal with all that. But this, and this, honestly, this, I haven't, I didn't really feel any PMS symptoms until like recently. And it was just, you know, the, the tender breasts, the, um, the bloating. Um, and sometimes I would get a headache with PMS, but like, other than that, but it's not like where I need to go take something for any of it. Like, I'm like, Oh, okay. This is what's going on. Like, Mm -hmm. I, Okay. And then that phantom period. But I I think that the other part is like, again, I think I mentioned at the beginning, I don't, my stomach isn't so sensitive to touch anymore. Like it's not flat yet, but it's still like, there's not like when I touch my stomach, I don't feel this hardness or these like lumps poking back out at me that were fibroids. So that's pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. Well, we definitely, um, want to hear your feedback, your stories. Um, you can definitely send any questions you have for us through our uh, social media pages on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. I'm at coaching by Shelly and Shamika. I, what you, are you can find me at themofochronicles.com. Again, that list is, is on there and um, there's an email address there as well. It's just Shamika at themofochronicles.com. So I guess until our next episode, we hope you all enjoyed this conversation and we hope it was very knowledgeable, helpful, funny. I don't know. I guess we just, we want to empower all of you with the information you need to know to make the best decision for yourself, for your own health and wellness as we did. And make sure you keep your mound intact. I couldn't leave without saying mound again. <laughs> I hate that word. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Till next time. Thank you for tuning in to the ladies edition. Don't forget, subscribe to the podcast and tune in next time for more riveting conversation.